Hello everyone, welcome to Rail Natter. Um, uh, yes, uh, it's here, uh, it's episode 159, why Britain's railway headquarters won't be a derby. <laughs> oh. oh, I needed that. Uh, let's, let's, the LBC maybe move the camera, let me readjust this back. I think that's, oh, that's that, there, no, there, there we go, that, I think that's that, I think that's about right. That's everything framed as we like to, you know, uh, years of... Of, of continuity ruined uh, for, for Andrew Marr for a three-minute slot that was compressed too short and could have been an interesting chat if it was any longer. Anyway, never mind. Um, right, enough of my face. Let us crack on. Uh, it's episode 159, which means... <coughs> Excuse me. I was, sorry I'm late, by the way, everyone. Uh, I'm half an hour late. For the audio-only listeners, you don't know or care. Uh, it's, it's episode 159, which means you have to shout out the uh, class 159, which is just a... An extended class 158. I don't know that there there. I think there are some electromechanical differences, but not many. Um, uh, so yes, the one five nine zero zero three here looking a bit shonky. Uh, in where is that? Is that Salisbury? Possibly, probably. Um, in in the toothpaste livery, it's kind of. I definitely prefer it in in provincial slash regional railways livery. But anyway, there we are. Also, what's funny is it's got its it, it, it it's got its running number on the front there. That's very much squint, isn't it? That's definitely squint. Anyway, um, yeah, that's it. That's all there is to say. Let's get cracking on this one because I'm already late and, and you've been waiting long enough. Everyone sat here waiting for half an hour. I'm so sorry. Welcome to tonight's show. Oh, wait, no. Yes, now I can do it. <laughs> Welcome to tonight's Rail Natter. <laughs> City 225 fades away and all of you have your eardrums blown out by the difference in levels between those two bits of snipped together music. Um, it's news time. Let's get on with the news, shall we? Oh my goodness. Um, oh. <laughs> right. Uh, in no, no, I always try and craft the news episodes into having a bit of a narrative. Um, but uh, yeah, let's, let's see. So, uh, firstly, we're starting with the new chair of the Transport Select Committee, Ian Stewart, um, stating that it is disappointing that Treasury ministers have not followed usual parliamentary courtesies by not responding fully to the important issues flagged in our report. This is their report on road pricing, by the way. Um, as petrol and diesel cars reduce in numbers, so too will the Treasury's tax revenue. Now, once again, it's blue on blue fun. Um, uh, because the Transport Select Committee, the whole history of the Transport Select Committee is the Transport Select Committee doing important stuff and pointing out that the DFT are making an absolute shambles of themselves, uh, and indeed the Treasury, and the Treasury and the DFT just not responding or responding belligerently, and uh, no one doing anything useful with all the actually genuinely useful stuff that the TSC pump out. So there we go. Um That's the Transport Select Committee getting a bit miffed. Um, they've been doing a study on... Um, uh, well, they've been doing a study on a couple of things, haven't they? They've been doing. They did one on. They did one on, on autonomous vehicles recently. Let's see what that comes out with. It'll be interesting to pick through that and do a page turn of it. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see. Anyway, there's much to talk about. We're going to continue cracking on. Oh, some the ONS. So this this news is 
everything. Why on earth did I just put a cheese savoury in my mouth while I'm doing a podcast? It's because I'm really hungry. I've got, um, what do I have downstairs? I've got a lasagna, part, half of a lasagna to eat downstairs, which would be nice. Um, which I'm now half an hour late for, to eat because of being half an hour late to prep Rail Natter because I got home half an hour later than I intended to because various reasons. So, working from home stats, Office for National Statistics. Yes, all this news is while I've been away on pat leave, so there's loads of stuff scooped up, lots to pick through. This data from the ONS uh, is very interesting, well worth going in and finding the report and having a look through. Um, lots of interesting features showing that um, currently the number of, uh, the proportion of working adults who are working from home has increased. So it's, it's, it's kind of around about the 35% mark. It's around about there. They had a bit of a change in survey wording, which actually increased the number. Um, so it's people who are working from home. Um, what's interesting is the overall breakdown then of that data. So um, the data kind of splitting down, yeah, the, so, so from September 2022 to January 2023, the overall numbers are only 16% of people only work from home. So that's only 16% of, of workers only work from home. 28% of people work both from home and travel to work. So the idea that everyone's working from home, just shout very loudly at them. Put these stats um, uh, in front of their face so that they uh, stop speaking uh, absolute rubbish. Uh, what's also interesting is then the demographic breakdown of this. Deirdre, hello, I'm glad you're here. Um, Deirdre, we, we, D, I'll, I'll D, well, you can DM me or whatever. We need to sort, we need to sort the episode, stats episode out. Um, younger workers uh, continue to be the least likely to only work from home. So making policy decisions that reduce the ability of people to move around, a group of people who generally don't have a car, um, you're, yet again, Britain is dumping on young people. 16 to 24-year-olds have the highest rate of those travelling to work, nearly 80%. 79% of, 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 of 16 to 24-year-olds have to travel to work. Uh, they also had the highest, that group also had the highest rate of workers who did not have the option to work from home. So again, you know, uh, this data here, oh, where's my, let's get my, let's get the whacker out, because I think there's some stuff to scribble on here. Um, in fact, you know what, I'll get my little face up in the corner, shall I? Hello, everyone, I'm up here in the corner. Ciao, ciao. Um, uh, let's see. Let me scribble on things. Yeah, this, this, this here. Interesting uh, column to look through. Oh, this whole whole table really. So, 16, 24 year olds. Uh, very few people. Um, uh, kind of the, the numbers of people who can do any sort of homeworking very low. Very high numbers of. But even generally, just travel to work only cannot homework. Right the way across the board, the lowest group, 35 to 44, is still 38% uh, who only travel to work, cannot homework. Right the way through, you can see that sizable numbers of people um, have no option but to go to their workplace. Yeah, and you can see 65 and over, old people, older people, actually 65 and over is not old people, but older people, people in that top bracket of uh, uh, 65 and over, 25% um, of them homework only. So by the time you get to that age, it's much easier for to homework because you've got larger uh, houses, uh, because you've got the sort of work you can do at home. But also what's interesting is that <clears throat> workers most likely to report working from home only or hybrid were in the highest income band uh, of £50,000 or more of annual earnings. They were highly educated. They were in professional occupations. So, hmm, funny that, if we make policy decisions that do, uh, make it harder to commute, so like running fewer trains, for example, we're making life harder for uh, those in lower income brackets and easier for the well-off. Oh no, funny that. 
Uh, last interesting stat is is for London, which obviously has um, had the biggest impact in demographic shifts in terms of workers. Even so, um, 40, it's only 40% of workers that reported hybrid working. So this was higher than any other English region, highest levels of uh, hybrid working across Great Britain. Uh, East of England was next, which is probably like Cam- a lot of that's like Cambridge and, and, and lots of those sorts of, uh, you know, uh, made up for those sorts of workplaces but you can see that's that's you know four in ten workers in london reported both working from home and traveling to work so very interesting some very interesting stats there to pick through um yeah martha saying also older people working from home is good hi martha by the way uh yeah older people working from home is good we shouldn't force older people to go into offices and get covid for no reason agreed i think that's a good that, that, that that's fine we need to build policies around those you know build policies around these numbers you know, build policies around those numbers. We should be facilitating whatever people want to do. Hello, John Stone. Um, age and income breakdown is really interesting uh, regarding why, say, Southwestern Railway commuter services are so far down versus other operators. Yes, absolutely. Uh, right, very jumping in very briefly. Content warning for everyone. Uh, descriptions and images from rail, rail crashes, although this won't be tortuous, but I, I, just a bit of a content, content warning for everyone. Um, <clears throat> yeah, Norfolk Southern, that's it. That's 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 the news. Just Norfolk Southern is East Palestine. Um, just and and they've put how much how much how much have they put down on the on the ground since this enormous derailment that that has caused quite the stink, both literally and metaphorically across the US. Yeah, um, but more tragically is is Greece Tempe. Um, yeah, really pretty pretty shocking um, pretty shocking circumstances in, in in Tempe. The collision of you know the head-on collision of two trains from a wrong-roaded passenger train stri- uh, hitting colliding head-on with a with a freight train, killing how, how many is it now that's killed and a, a sizable demographic of, of young people as well who have actually been yeah it's about it's about 60, 60 people I think. Um, the issue here the, 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 so this is this has caused chaos across across Greece because there are several things at play here. Firstly, the government was moving legislation forwards to um, make workers, rail workers, striking for safety reasons illegal. Now, how does that sound familiar? Hmm. Uh, they, were, they were in the process of, 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 of making striking for safety reasons illegal. So that's obviously... Um, has not sat well with the fact they've just killed... You know, the government has just managed to kill 60 people... Other issues is that the government was also refusing to create an independent accident investigation branch, much like we have in the UK, an independent body, despite the EU basically mandating them to do so. And the government had just been taken to court over this fact as well. There's a lot more to, to unpick. And actually, if there's any Greeks who want to join and talk about this and, and the ramifications of this, I, I, I think it'd be really, I'd like to do a rail matter on this because there's, there's, there's obviously a lot to unpick here. Um, an awful lot to unpick. So... Um, that's yeah so so pretty pretty tragic uh, you know pretty horrifying i think it was a lot of students uh, in this train making their way home uh, or or vice versa heading back just just absolutely awful really really awful just 60 we should not be killing people in rail crashes in, in anywhere in the world we we have the knowledge to stop this ever happening we just this shouldn't be happening in this day and age frankly um so we talk about you know, union action uh, and, and, and the government clamping down on union action. Well, the RMT in the UK have been getting uh, excited about a, another subject, which is they're, they're continuing to ramp up the discussion about rolling stock and about the Roscoe's and about the fact that the, that it is, the rolling stock operating companies are essentially a racket. Um, it's just bonkers that they make as much money as they do. They've ramped up 
the prices of of, of, of the train leasing costs by about sixty six percent since pre COVID levels, which is bonkers. And um, they just basically ask. It's just it's just a it's 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 more British rentier economy stuff. Um, it's deeply frustrating, uh, and I'm seeing people. People have with dreadful takes going, yeah, but they've brought billions of private investment into the industry. What? What? what did they, not out of the good of their hearts. It's because it's PF, basically PFI, and they're making, they're creaming millions and millions back from doing so. And the whole point is that the billion that they bring in in investment, they then get a massive return on it. And, and where, do, where is that return coming from? It's being paid for by the fair payer and, and public sector, you know, public purse. No. The way we should be buying rolling stock is by buying it the regular way that we make public investment. Just borrow the money and buy it that way. And then you pay it back at guilt rates, which until recently, until the, the Tories crashed the economy, until recently, guilt rates were basically negative. You were getting paid to, the government was getting paid to borrow money from itself. Just do lally. Absolutely do lally. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, just apps. Roscoe's should not exist. They should be completely obliterated out of existence. Um... They just simply should not exist. And all the skilled people who work in them, because it's not that there are lots of... St it's not that everyone who works in Roscoe's are evil. All the skilled people who work in them that do all the stuff that you need to do related to rolling stock, they would just move to the... the move into... Well, frankly, just British Rail 2 um, is where they should be. But anyway, um, fine. So the RMT picking up on that. So that's good stuff. Um, uh, do indeed uh, check out the RMT's uh, stuff on this. Uh, share it. Um, obviously, be a bit, be a little critical, use a little bit of critical thinking on some of the output because it's the RMT, so they're going to be over enthusiastic on some of the points they make. So do double check some of the stuff before sharing. But by and large, I'm glad the RMT are pursuing this. My my union, it is. Yeah, shout out to the RMT, my little my little badge in the corner. Look, look, look. Yeah, RMT, it's nice. I get to have it on my on my lanyard. I'm very proud of that. I probably should have taken off before I did real now. Anyway, uh, right as we press on. Oh, talking of rolling stock, um, just showing how dysfunctional it is when you do have uh, an organisation trying to make something innovative happening, admittedly, way optimistically and, and without maybe the, 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 without being able to make a stick. Anyway, Viva Rail are dead. We, we knew that. I think I'd already put that up. But anyway, they are now dead. Viva Rail are gone, um, which is a bit sad, really. But there we go. Um, I, I, they've been doomed for a while and... It just shows that this idea that I mean, it, partly it shows how dysfunctional the system is, and, and actually, this wasn't necessarily a, a particularly terrible idea. Um, but part of this is th this this collapse for me shows a lot of areas. Firstly, the fact that we are doing all this complicated, dodgy, bodgy rolling stock manufacturing rather than just buying electric trains, regular electric trains, are just running them. Um, you know, constantly repurposing. We just shouldn't need to do all this stuff. Just just get new trains, run them for forty years. Um, that's fine. Do that. Like we should not be doing all this bi mode, tri mode rubbish. Just get okay. Useful for fringe cases while we do electrification, but it's just ah, oh, it's very frustrating. Lots of dysfunctionality about this. And yeah, GWR have bought. You're, you're right, Michael. See, GWR have bought in some of the expertise to keep running a few of these services that they've got. But specifically, they're looking at the. I think also someone else is in 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 talks to buy the fast charging technology as well because there are all these little innovative things. There's little innovative ideas that were actually quite clever, but the business model doesn't work partly because um, nobody buys, just no one's getting new trains. No, the, the whole thing, the whole system is broken. No rolling stock strategy. It's just a mess. Um, talking of no strategy and a mess, uh, HS2. Um, so we've had the. So obviously we've had the the, the, the complete calamity of Euston being 
delayed until 2040 whatever and just and all the continued mess that hs2 is, is continuing to be in all of this on government by the way the nao have published a very interesting report that's well worth looking at which points out that um so the estimate for building the 11 firstly the, the 2.6 billion budget to build the station that would they'd be able to afford that if um well, okay, no, it would still have gone up a bit, but probably not as much as the four point four billion um, to deliver the the original two stage eleven platform station. Four point four billion, um, a sizable chunk of that is actually the TFL station because there's an enormous amount of reconstruction happening, like bank scale levels of reconstruction happening um, for the TFL stuff. That's part of the scope of the station. So actually, the the above ground station isn't necessarily the most expensive bit. But I tell you what makes what will make screw up and make all of that more expensive. It's obsessively bunging your mates a bunch of commercial estate rentier economy stuff to put on top of it, which means that rather than it being a railway station, it's a commercial estate with a railway station squeezed underneath. Um, the only way you can fix so so right so four point four billion, four point four billion um, for the uh, the original uh, two stage eleven platform station, which would have allowed you to deliver the service your part of the service earlier. Um, Okery believe on the back of a bloody cigarette packet that you could deliver a for a trivial saving though for like an 800 million saving which is not much in the grand scheme of things that you could deliver a 10 platform single stage build so all of the designs all the plans all those things that have been in the works for years get torn up and they start designing a new station delaying the station for probably half a decade at that point in 2020 all ostensibly for a tr frankly trivial saving then it turns out that, uh, oh, so first of all, they go, oh, no, look, look, a uh, April 2021, we can we can knock some more savings off, 3.3 billion. Okay, great. That's when they start making the station look really shit. Uh, and then all of a sudden it goes, ah, yeah, no, it's going to be 4.8 billion, actually. So it's more expensive. This is in 2019 prices, by the way. These will be higher in reality. It's more expensive now than the 11 stage two build, uh, sorry, the 11 platform two stage build except that it can't be delivered in two stages, so you're not going to get the services until the whole thing's finished, in 2041. Um, what the shit is my response to that? Just it's what we were all saying the whole time. Oh, funny that. Funny that. Yeah, anyway. So, just, it's just, I don't even, I don't even know what to say at this point. Like, it, it, the key thing to remember is this government does not want to build HS2. They hate it. They want to destroy it. So they are doing so in every possible way they can. One of the key things I think that's most important in this is not the fact that this means that all the benefits of HS2 will be trapped until the 2040s, unless it's brought, drastically brought back forwards. But also, um, I think the most important thing here is the amount of blight for everyone, the highest population density area um, of the whole project is Euston. A lot of Frank, a lot of non-white population who are near the station as well in this bit of Camden, funnily enough, getting impacted without anyone stick other than, you know, without anyone in, 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 in government sticking up for them. Funny that. Um, they're going to be blighted for another 15 years. It's absolutely unacceptable. It's just beyond unacceptable. It's just mind-blowingly offensive. Um, just frightening. <sighs> just just frightening anyway um oh talking of which we had uh yeah news travels fast uh, lucy moyer uh, no 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 need to um to pile on to lucy lucy uh a farmer along phase 1a and um posted this and i don't okay firstly these aren't actually hs2 works these are preliminary utilities works so then it's not hs2 doing this work 
so HS2 don't actually have any control over the fact that there's all these this field. So just yeah, all this all this kind of demo, demolition of hedgerows. This isn't a HS2 worksite, so HS2 have no control over it. So firstly, um, saying HS2 currently ripping out hedges is is not necessarily a hundred percent wrong. As in, this is work being done in advance of HS2, but it's the statutory undertakers doing the work completely. And HS2 have no basically no control over this site. So it's not really fair to say it's HS2 currently ripping hedges out. But what's more problematic is this photo has is just anywhere. It's just a digger. They could have driven that digger into the field and bulldozed half of it. So, okay, this isn't so much pointing at Lucy, actually. It's pointing at the fact that this had nearly 2,000 retweets, over 5,000, nearly 6,000 likes, and lots of quote tweets flying around the earth all at once with no critical thinking whatsoever. This is... Why is this just going so frustrating? So, you know, once again, HS2 just being the whipping boy, when the, the, the reality is that this this was not, this is not HS2 work happening. It's 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 statutory utilities not doing a very good job of, of doing any ecological protection while they, um, while they do some utilities shifting. But this is not a HS2 site. Frustrating as hell. So, talking of which, um... East West Rail has learned. This is a new civil engineer story. East West Rail has uh, learned business case lessons from HS2's focus on journey time. Uh, communication of the benefits for East West Rail will focus on the economic prospects for the region, resulting from the work rather than the journey time benefits required um, by the Department for Transport business case documents. Well, okay, A, fine, but B, this won't solve the problem. The problem is not solved by being snazzier with your business with how you sell the line. It's how you you've got to talk about how the line fits into the bigger picture. Uh, talking about economic prospects is was one of the ways that the HS2 was attempted to be sold. You know, oh, it'll rebalance the economy. That means bollocks all to anyone. Don't talk about economic prospects. Talk about what it localize the benefits. Talk about what it specifically will do, what it will unleash on on uh, through adjacent stations as well. What are the service benefits and how do those materially impact on people? So this misses the point. You've got to talk about the broader transport strategy that that new infrastructure fits within. Anyway, oh. Um, oh, some happy news, which is that one in six rail journeys in the UK are on Thameslink 2. Uh, Crossrail is carrying a, an enormous number of passengers. A lot of those have been leached out of other parts of the of the TFL network. So, you know, uh, Central Line, for example. But the point is that that then frees those up to then carry more people as well. So eventually the induced, you'll get the positive induced demand and, and, and you will have, have that level of uplift. But it's you know, you you build it and people are flocking to it because they like the the, the high quality infrastructure. It's 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 impressive stuff. Forty one percent rise in three months. Um, it's Crossrail has just been an enormous success. You know, terms like two serious success. Um, it's it's excellent. Um, and it's just the idea that one in six passengers currently well, not necessarily well, probably currently actually, one in six passengers currently traveling around in a train in the UK are on a on a on a Thameslink 2 on a crossrail train that's impressive to me it's pretty cool uh, oh let's jump to germany oh uh, yeah the deutschland ticket uh, is coming uh, the germany ticket is coming um uh, it's the 49 euros a month uh split that what is that like 120 a day or something not that much um you you you're getting all public transport this is brilliant why are we not doing this is the sort of thing that we should be doing in the uk desperately do this in the uk you could do it very easily just do it um instead however 
Um, we're going to make cheaper. We're going to make flying cheaper. Uh, fuel duty, uh, or rather, air passenger duty for flights is um, is being halved. It's being halved, or it has already been halved. Uh, well, it will be on the first of April. April Fools, of course. This is just frightening. Um, so yeah, just just uh, so there's a surge in new domestic flights being created. Um, this is going to impact on the modal share of rail north south. It's just absolutely baffling. Uh, yeah, so as the campaign for better transport pointed out, oh, it's interesting that you know Simon Calder, who's a you know he's a pretty middle of the road transport reporter, is like, what the hell? Um, the campaign for better transport are going, um, you know, have have done done some homework and and, and this this will recruit you know that the, the uh, airline the passenger duty cut will re- result in a thirty one percent increase in domestic flights, uh, which is going to increase greenhouse gas emissions, of course, bonkers. Uh, airline industry successfully lobbied Rishi Sunak uh, for ultra low prices on their on local flights. Just baffling. Um, remember, the government just thinks that magic pixie dust is going to make flying fine, so they want to do more of it. They just want more of that. That's fine. Um, so yeah, this is happening on Saturday, this coming Saturday. Uh, make it cheaper to fly. Uh, the London to Edinburgh route is predicted to um, to inverted commas benefit the most from these cuts, which means. This is already it's already the busiest air route in the UK. It has a direct rail connection. It's just baffling. Um, it's just yeah. It's just it's just absolutely mind blowing. I just yeah. What where what 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 can you say? And then as as and and the mess continues. You know. So we've got you know instead of the Deutschland ticket, we have Treasury. You know. Meanwhile in Treasury, we have um, refunds for late trains are going to be cut. So we're going to see the. I think they're going to get rid of the fifteen minute. Delay repay up to half an hour. Possibly they're going to even get rid of the half hour one and just make it an hour delay repay. So that was you know the fifteen minute delay repay was seen as a great success for passengers. Passengers getting getting you know actually getting something back when their their trains were screwed over. Uh, alas, not. Um, what else? Oh yeah. Uh, also the plans for um, for a sort of it's like interrail but shit. It was Brit Rail Pass, which is actually not a bad idea. Fine, like it's embarrassingly named and. Uh, smells brexity but fine it was going to be a pass that allowed you to travel anywhere by rail it was sort of a bit like it could have been hijacked to become the you know a climate ticket but anyway um it was proposed 18 months ago and inverted commas not commercially viable which means it wouldn't make any revenue it wouldn't be revenue positive so they're not going to do it despite the fact that it's like no but the point is that people would choose to then be on rail no okay fine treasury okay marvelous uh, and and rail services continue to just be disintegrated. So um, the ORR again reporting the latest stats. Uh, I'll run out of my ginger juice. It's a disaster. <clears throat> the um, yeah the ORR reporting the latest stats on um, uh, cancellations. So this isn't even comparing to pre-COVID levels because I think it'd be quite interesting to compare that. But this is just against the current timetable. Uh, Grand Central not doing a great job, but the services are always a bit. Because they run fewer services a day, that that can jump around. The embarrassing ones really are. Um, tra- it's mostly TransPennine Express. Just just a quarter of TransPennine Express services cancelled over period twelve, rail period twelve, from fifth February to the fourth of March. That's just mind blowing. What? <laughs> it's just what kind of service is that? That's a complete collapse of the major through connections across through between northern cities. It's just baffling. Quarter of trains cancelled. That's a that's that's a collapse in the service. It's just breathtaking. 
Yeah, Martha Lawrence say, yeah, don't forget dumping money into the gimmick £2 bus fare cap rather than something like the German, the, the German uh, all-mode uh, monthly cap. Yeah, everyone loves first group, don't we? We all love first group. Uh, and talking of service failures, I, I mean, this is ostensibly good news, you'd think, which is cross-country getting rid of their HSTs, um, which means that only ScotRail will be operating them, which is uh, embarrassing for ScotRail, as previously discussed, uh, eyes pass him, where we discussed that ScotRail, it would have cost them barely anything extra to procure a, and arguably it would have cost them less to procure a, a, a long-term fleet choice rather than a short-term HST's uh, decision. But um, you might think, oh, that's good news. But then if you just read the statement from Cross Country, a Cross Country spokesperson said, um, shout out to those working for Cross Country watching this. You might well be here. Um, while our high-speed trains have served... Oh, the HST's on Cross Country being uh, um, withdrawn, by the way. I don't know if I've made that actually clear for the audio-only people. Um, while our high-speed trains have served as well, they have been in use for over 40 years. We're making some changes to our fleet when the next timetable change is introduced in May. This is to enable us to run a more efficient service. Uh, what? That means less. That means less service. Okay. That also reflects the way people are now travelling for business and leisure and requires fewer trains. What? To deliver the number of seats customers need at present. What? This is just a treasury line that they've repeated. As such, there'll be a phased removal of the high-speed trains from the cross-country fleet. Um, uh, so, good that the HSTs are going, but bad that there continues to be no plan to expand cross-country service. Uh, there will be a cross-country episode coming up soon where I talk about what cross-country should be and what it isn't and why. Uh, but this is, this is just, this is just, this is just treasury. It's just treasury. It's just a treasury statement being repeated verbatim. Um, all of these are bad words. More efficient service requires fewer trains. The number of seats customers need at present. The trains are rammed. I have travelled on cross-country trains several times and they are rammed. What are they on about? Oh, my goodness. Anyway, so bad. Uh, and it goes from bad to worst because uh, the um, uh, as of, when was that? March 16th, um, the Officer Rail and Road and Network Rail briefed their funding for control period seven um, and the renewals and maintenance cash. Uh, the money, relatively speaking, is, or, or in absolute terms, the money is slightly up compared to the last control period. The renewal stays the same, which is not good because that means it's a very much a real-time budget cut. This is problematic for a variety of uh, reasons. Uh, let me see. So da -da 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 -da, you can see uh, not not really very good news. S they're saying similar to CP6, but it's not because everything's got more expensive because, you know, inflation. Key pain points here that I want that, that are worth pointing out. So this is the emerging view of baseline outputs. Um, so Office Rail and Road Tier 1 measures. So these are the baseline outputs versus CP6. So they're expecting, because they would always say this, that the fatalities and weighted injuries of the of the workforce are going to uh, improve. That's an up arrow with a green, so that means improve. Okay. Um, fine. But again, right. The, TR, the TARR, the Train Accident Risk Reduction, though, no, we're not going to improve the risk of train accidents. We're going to keep that the same. Okay. Passenger on time. We're keeping that the same. Uh, cancellations the same. F delivery metrics the same. Freight cancellations the same. Okay, fine. Efficiency. Mm, I don't like that. They've put that at green. OPEX and CAPEX efficiency. Right. Um, 
this is worth pointing out that this is actually referring to the fact that basically they're going to focus more on reducing capex at the expense of opex um they're saying that carbon emissions are going to improve well okay by what metrics biodiversity units fine uh, freight growth okay fine there are two problems here one of them is uh no that's the order it's why has that done that that's, oh it's because i moved them in it Watch this. Watch this, everyone. That's, I'm gonna. I'm gonna move some stuff. Do this and do this. There we go. Uh, that is what we want. There we go. Oh my goodness. Sorry. Yes. Uh, two two things that make me upset and angry. One of them is the service affecting failures. Um, that's gonna get worse. That means that we are built. We're gonna have run a railway that will allow more trains to be interrupted by failed infrastructure. We're just gonna accept that. That's just gonna be par for the course. Um, the other thing is um, the Composite Sustainability Index. What that actually means, and I would recommend going back to Noel Dolphin's thread to, uh, as he kind of breaks this down. Um, that means that the uh, the asset is going to is going to basically be worse off at the end of this control period. It means that we're going to let the asset... Basically, we're going to let the railway rot for five years. Just, yeah, just absolutely mind-blowing. Um, and also, when it comes to any sort of capital expenditure, um, obviously, we're spending very little on electrification at the moment. Um, here is, yet again, Noel doing some fun stuff. Uh, nice graph from yesterday's transport decarbonisation event. Um, here's the electrification that's been delivered kind of to date, and you can see there's just a gap, 21... 21 2023, there's a gap. Um, and, and although it's not hugely clear, I'm going to draw an outline around that bit, although I don't know how clear that is. There we are. Um, there is, um, here we have some known schemes delivering about 200 single track kilometres up to 2033-ish. That's Trans-Pennine and some bits of Midland Mainline. However, the Traction Decarbonisation Network strategy needs us to deliver over 500 up to 2050. Or 2040, yeah, basically up to 2049, basically. And we are so far from delivering that, which means that we're going to have to deliver this much to actually get to, to reach that target to deliver the government's own net zero requirements. Hmm, not good. Not good at all. Right, so. Oh, do I think this would be better under a different government? asks Tim Davis. Uh, pass. Louise Haig is very good as, as, as Shadow Secretary of State for Transport. Whether the government, whether a future Labour government would actually care about railways, New Labour didn't. New Labour gave absolutely zero stuffs about the railway. And we currently have new New Labour. And mm, are there, their priorities all about doing nothing, just kind of like this government, except that they are doing nothing in a respectable way. So they're going to talk. They're they're bringing us back to all the new Labour hits, like just talking about Asbos. They're just doing Asbos again. They're going to talk. They're going to do like xenophobia, but just like respectable xenophobia. Uh, I, I am highly sceptical that we're going to see the dramatic changes we need. Uh, yes, if you vote, we should vote out the Tories because they're fascists. But the idea that we're going to have a radical and sudden positive shift if we go to Labour, I uh, remains to be seen. So hold your local MP to account uh, and tell them all the stuff they need to be doing so that they they feel the, they feel a little bit tight, you know, they feel a bit collared on the things that they should be delivering, um, for example, in, in terms of railway stuff. Um, 
meanwhile, we talk about you know the lack of electrification here. Well, um, the flip side of that is India um, is just absolutely smashing electrification. Uh, just, just what is it? They've, they've four thousand kilometers of, of network um, just electrified now in central on Indian Railway Central Railway. So that's all. That's generally all the stuff around Mumbai area. I think that um, there's, there's there's lots of railway that that stretches across India. The middle and then goes down the coast and and, and it includes all the suburban lines in and around Mumbai. Um, just an enormous amount of um, electrification that's just happened. They just they just did it. They just did it. Just electrified everything. Just just insane amount of just an absolutely bonkers amount of electrification. And they're just pointing out that it'll save um, half a million tons of CO two um, annually and um, and save them enormous amounts of uh, of cash. About two hundred million US dollars in cash a year. Because electric railways are much cheaper to run, so uh, yeah, and it's the first, it's the seventh um, bit of the network, bit of India's network to completely finish electrification. So they're just getting on with it, enormous volumes of it. Um, oh, even Croatia, we jump to our, our friends in the Balkans. Look, even Croatia can do some agreements of stuff. Um, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, uh, yeah, <clears throat> meeting in Zagreb um, from the directors of Croatia and the Slovenian and the Serbian railway uh, on possibilities for restoring uh, the connections between uh, Ljubljana, Zagreb and Belgrade. Um, please make that happen, because if you build a proper fat, if you upgrade the connection between Ljubljana and um, and Belgrade to be uh, fast, frequent uh, and, and, and just generally nice, That'll make my life very easy to get to Serbia. Um, but also, it's just a really good route. A lot of people want to go and explore the Balkans. And, 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 and Ljubljana would be, is, is really the gateway into the Balkans in, in that sense, because Ljubljana is reasonably easy to access from, um, from the rest of Europe. You know, it's quite quick to drop, drop over the, Alp, uh, the Alps and get to it. Not as, as easy as it should be, frankly. But, you know, you can get over from Italy to Ljubljana reasonably easily, uh, although an improvement to the service from Trieste would be, would be good. Anyway, uh, that that you know the the, the trains actually it's probably easier coming down through uh, Vienna, uh, sorry through not Vienna through Salzburg through Austria to get to Ljubljana. Anyway, do that, but then it could be the gateway into the Balkans. Uh, okay, you'd arrive into rather than arriving into the glorious um, Glavni station, you'd be it'd be the the, the shithole that is Prokop uh, in Belgrade. But anyway, Zagreb station is glorious, so um, swings and roundabouts. But it would still be good. Everyone should do that. Also, uh, Ljubljana is excellent. Uh, uh, John is pointing out how it's amazing how slow the the trains uh, get past Vienna. Yeah, I don't know, right? It's, it's rubbish. Anyway, so meanwhile, back to lovely Britain. Um, other things have happened. So there was that budget, the budget that the the, the spring statement that screwed over HS2 and, and, and lots of other rail investment um, has done the same to active travel um, investment to cut of what is it about three hundred million quid chopped. Um, and, and this graphic's quite nice because it shows capital investment in active travel per person a year, which is a bit embarrassing, really, because overall transport spending is is in London's about eight eight hundred quid per head. In uh, in places where it's rubbish, it's more like a hundred quid a head or less. But anyway, look in Scotland, twenty five quid uh, is spent on active travel. In Wales, nineteen quid. Northern Ireland, not great, seven quid. Uh, in England, outside of London, one quid. Absolutely pitiful. Um, so yeah, Sustrans they're getting very upset about that, rightly so. Um, and so that's active travel, but also bus services being obliterated. Tom Forth um, doing another bit of nice visualization to show how much uh, cut bus services impact on people's ability to access 
city center so a good example of, of the ability to actually access and use uh facilities in the city center or get to work in the city center or whatever it happens to be um places accessible within 45 minutes by bus from Leeds city center on the 6th of december 2022 um, and you can see what public transport materially what rubbish public transport does is shrink the size of your city it shrinks the size of your city shrinks the number of people in your city who can do who can who can make kind of grow the economy of that or or kind of expand up you know fruitfully be part of the that the economic activity of that city which is uh not a good thing um and uh, this is mean growth 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 i mean in terms of circular econo economics that, that you still want people to be able to access the good stuff in, in a city center but also that's like seeing friends going in and doing nice things having access to all the services that there are in the city center and you can see it it looks like it pretty much halves the size of the in fact it does less you know the the population drops from 445,000 people within 45 minutes down to 165,000 it's an enormous drop it's just staggering it's a really nice bit of visualization there from um uh from tom i, I like that a lot it's, it's really it's pretty pretty bleak to be honest uh, and meanwhile of course the context of this uh here's daisy dunn just reporting um uh, on the ipcc's report that just came out is another un report uh, with some interesting graphics so for example here we've got uh, risk of species loss so at the current trajectory we're on is not a good trajectory and you can just see that there's the species loss is like Oh yeah, all the spe all the stuff within that purple area. Uh, if we continue on the four degrees thing, that's like a hundred percent species loss by uh, the kind of the end of the century. Uh, that's not good. Um, and uh, humidity risk to human health. There we are. Uh, all year round risk to human health. Uh, and uh, you can see here that the number, of, uh, how many days a year um, that the conditions are going to pose a risk to human health. And it's just like the everywhere around the equator just getting absolutely um just fried but also it's up in europe you see they're, they're like 100 days a year even in up in europe getting impacted or, or, or 50 days a year uh, and much of the u.s being hit pretty hard uh, in fact th th there's like purple on the eastern seaboard there so it's not good they're just like we're on the bad trajectory folks um and no one seems to be doing anything about it lots of talk no action and um this one hits home pretty hard for someone who's got a, a new little one because the people are, the kids are being born, the, the, the children being born now will be alive in the 2100s. And the current trajectory means that we're going to be warming. Our actions will mean the planet will continue to warm beyond 2100, which is uh, pretty frightening. It's, it's, it's scary stuff. There's an, it's Ed Hawkins shared this as an expansion of his, of his warming stripes. Um, it's bleak. It's bleak. And then of course, you know, all of that happening anyone trying to then make that point vigorously to government um gets arrested and thrown in jail and uh and gets a, a, a gets a uh a criminal record and it's a reminder that the law is not the moral judge of good and bad the law can often and it is in indeed regularly immoral wrong and will be changed as history progresses so the law is not the measure of what is right and wrong as indeed um this judge the judge of the the, the just stop oil case uh, said um the, i'm going to just read this verbatim actually uh although i might skip some bits it's abundantly this is the judge saying this it's 
It's abundantly clear that you're all good people. You're intelligent, articulate, and a pleasure to deal with. It's unarguable that man-made global warming is real and we are facing a climate emergency. Your aims are admirable and it is accepted by me and the CPS that your views are reasonable and genuinely held. Your aims are ably and genuinely articulated and are supported by the science. Um, yeah, and it kind of goes on. It's like... No one can criticise your motivations. You all gave evidence that was deeply moving. I certainly was moved. The tragedy is that good people have felt so much without hope that you feel you have to come into conflict with the criminal justice system. Thank you for opening my eyes to certain things. Most I was acutely and depressingly aware of, but there were certain things. Um, and then it goes. It becomes even more farcical. A reminder, the law is not the measure of what is right and what is wrong. I say this, and I mean this sadly, I have to convict you. You are good people, and I will not issue a punitive sentence. Your arrests and loss of good character are sufficient. Good people doing the wrong thing cannot make the wrong thing right. I don't say this ever, but it has been a pleasure dealing with you. You should feel guilty for nothing. You should feel proud that you care, have concern for the future. I urge you not to break the law again. Good luck to all of you. Um, quite a uh, an impressive judgment there being passed on. Uh, remember, these judges are, according to Harry Cole, the enemy of the people. Uh, interesting. Anyway, let's have a bit of good news, shall we? Um, regional news, actually. Uh, Serco have been binned off from running the sleeper. Hooray! Some good news. Um, yeah, the Scottish government can take the Cali sleeper into public ownership. Uh, this is, a, a, to be fair to Richard, uh, what's his last name? Leonard. Uh, it was, it's, it's a policy that he had championed. Um, and uh, it, is a, it is a bit of a victory because uh, not that it's going to make anything better on the sleeper service, frankly, at this point, but it does mean we've got rid of Circo, which is good news. Um, oh, Deirdre, uh, it'd be interesting to uh, do a compare and contrast between railway investment plans in Ireland and GB in terms of direction of travel. Yeah, you're right, it would be Deirdre. Let's, uh, we could, you know, have a look at that. Um, so uh, that's good news. What else? Uh, yeah, Wales closing the door on road projects. So it doesn't mean that road projects are not going to proceed in Wales, but they have put down a pretty rigorous quadripartite set of tests, four tests. Um, will that project reduce carbon emissions and support a shift to public transport, walking, and cycling? It's a very good test. Will the project improve safety through small-scale changes? Um, will the project help us adapt to the impacts of climate change? And will the project provide connections to jobs and areas of economic activity in a way that maximises the use of public transport, walking, and cycling? Those are four very good tests. Those should be applied to all new road projects. And each they have to pass each of them, not just one of them, because then you start getting, oh, it's, it's for safety, it's for, for safety. Oh, we have to do all the A65 for safety. Um, uh, no, that will not work. You will result in more deaths on the roads adjacent to the A64. Um, what are you on about? It's the same with the A9 safety logic. It does not stand up to scrutiny. Um, anyway, so uh, good on the Welsh Government for that. And uh, staying in Wales, uh, new trains arriving. So uh, here we have the, um, the nice Class 398 Stadler uh, trains uh, arriving and being rolled out, which is very good news. Very happy to see that. Um, and uh, what else have we got? Oh, yeah, we've got... Uh, uh, we've got. Uh, I'm, I'm, here we are. Uh, we have also got the um, the, the 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 class two three ones, the other Stadlers, the Flirts arriving, which is fantastic. The Flirts are the best trains in, or the best long distance trains uh, anyway, which is interesting because they're they're kind of the the local services. So they're using Flirts for look. Anyway, basically they're good. I love the Flirts. They're brilliant, um, uh, and they of course offer. Level boarding, so it's it's yet another uh, win for level boarding on the network. It's great. Ah, it's good stuff. Um, 
what is a tram train? It's made up. It's made up nonsense. It's it's a tram that can that it's it's just tram. It's just a tram, but they they run on the main line a bit. It's it's a bit of a there 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 are some benefits to to that flexibility, but it's ultimately it's anyway. We can talk tram train at some point. There's this this stuff. To, anyway, it's good news to have level boarding. Both those tra trains provide will provide level boarding, which is exciting. Um, from the flip side, um, uh, a watchdog, a an, an accessibility watchdog is taking um is taking the DFT and the RR to court, um, in breach of the Equality Act because of its uh because of the uh, cuts to station. Uh, mostly because of the cuts to station staff, meaning that independent travel, well, it's not independent travel, assisted travel is becoming impossible for people who require a ramp at both stations. So so um, a vigorous reason to, to maintain station staff at all stations is that if you arrive at a station, there's no way that you have a guarantee, you're guaranteed you're going to be able to get off the train, which means you can't travel. You have to get, you have to get a taxi instead, which is rubbish. Oh, it's not rubbish. It's, it's, it's illegal and it's offensive. And um, it's appalling that we're in a situation. So I hope that the... Um, I hope the court case results in um, the RR having to uh, make changes. Uh, because if you remember, by the RR's own rules, the UK should be spending the best part of £900 million a year on improving accessibility and safety at the platform train interface. So, um, yeah, crikey. Uh, oh, and, uh, yeah, four million quid has been put aside to um, to name each of the lines of the of the, uh, the Overground in London. Uh, continue on regional news. Um, yeah, Overground lines are to be named. Uh, thanks to Callum Marius on, on this. Uh, very much worth following Callum, uh, who gets up to all sorts of uh, transport shenanigans in London. Good fun. Shout out to Callum. Hi, Callum. Um, uh, yeah, they're going to be named. Uh, what are they going to name them, though? Because, uh, you know, I, we had our suggestions. If you remember our, our, our London episode that we indulged in when we were talking about how to name uh, different systems, you know. Obviously, <clears throat> I have my I have my preference of um, of of numbering all of the systems. Anyway, <coughs> I think that we should be capturing and, and, and kind of numbering the various systems um, uh, to make it easy to to know what the type of system is and and, and how it looks and, and, and feels and behaves. Uh, so I, I kind of had there was the East London line, the North London line, the Watford DC line, Gosport to Barking line, Lee Valley lines, and Romford to Upminster line. But you might have better suggestions. Those were just rough suggestions. You might have better ones. Obviously, uh, this if, if you remember that episode, we also had the slightly more extreme version of the naming, which would um, uh, have have renamed some of the tube lines, uh, got rid of all the colours to make the the the, the deep tube its own system. Um, yeah, and and that would have been fun, and and also we need to name the the DLR as well. Um, anyway, uh, I, I, I remember that episode? That was episode 115. Uh, Crossrail isn't a tube line. The tube map needs retiring. Another London was that was a fun episode. Uh, go back and watch that. In other London news, uh, Superloop question mark? Um, Martha, actually, I'm about to quote one of your tweets. Uh, one of your tweets is going up here because I was like, wait, what the hell is this? Uh, this looks this is a bit bonkers, and and I sp I don't like it for some reasons, but I do like it for others. Um, it's a bit. Doolally, and part of me is like, well, should, this should probably be a metro system, not a like part of the London metro system. There should be a rail thing that emulates this. But uh, it's going to be buses. There's going to be some limited stop buses operating between key urban centres. So going between, like, you know, basically it, it's going to be a big loop. It's good. There used to be a train service that did this. Now there isn't. Um, routes won't form a neat circle because there'll be, like, little tails and things. But, uh, yeah, again, it's uh, Callum is keeping on this and, and keeping us in the loop. As it were, ho ho ho. Um, but yeah, um, Martha, was, you, you seem pleased about this. Martha was pleased about this. Basically, all brilliant. Limited bus stops, uh, stop buses. Sorry, between key urban centres are good, but 
the root numbering's a bit daft, apparently. So, um, yeah, the, the root numbering's a bit weird. So maybe come up with better root numbering so people know what the hell's going on. The, the numbering's a bit strange. But um, anyway, there we go. Uh, yes. So that's good fun. I, 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 why not? Why not? Um, right, okay, you've all been waiting for the actual meat and potatoes of this episode. Um, why is the GBIHQ... Uh, firstly, the DFT announced that, the, that they have announced a... Basically, to get out of the potential lawsuit that I believe Derby were pursuing against them, lol, um, they've announced that the headquarters are going to be in Derby, which is, um, which is exciting, except that as I've titled this episode, they're not... Now, why am I saying that? Firstly, let's talk about the poster. They created a graphic just to annoy everyone using, I mean, not using RA2. This is Gil Sands, not RA2. Uh, this is Gil Sands, not RA2. This is Gil Sands, not RA2. So that's already like, what? No, you created RA2 for... Ah, anyway. Secondly, the transition team logo angers me greatly. It's rubbish. Um, thirdly... This is a crew train, not Derby train. Um, fourthly, okay, the cathedral's there, I guess. There's the is this a velodrome? I can't remember. That's there, I guess. They've put Rolls Royce there because yes, Rolls Royce is a bit of a Derby institution, engineering prowess, fine. But also, they are a prominent auto and aerospace manufacturer, which seems an interesting choice when they could have put some more rail stuff on it. Maybe I don't know. The graphics horrible. It's all done to make me angry. Having Derby. GBRHQ Derby GBRHQ just randomly in the background. It's just it's just a bit it's just aggravating. But let's talk about it. Let's talk about why the GBRHQ isn't going to Derby. Let's let's talk about it with with this glorious um motor coach part of APTP um City of Derby in the background with one of the finest uses of the double arrow on a train uh, ever. So, let's let's talk about this. Um Oh my goodness. Uh so why am I saying that it's not going to Derby? Well, firstly, there's no real information about what's going to be going to Derby in terms of staff. It might be a few hot desks and a flag. Uh, secondly, even if they put 100 staff and force everyone who works in the transition team to go to Derby, um, that is, the, the, the industry is going to remain completely fragmented for years, for years and years. Mark Harper's uh, Bradshaw address speech was... Uh, to as far as I can tell, pretty much a carbon copy of the same speech Shaps gave when he announced that the GBR would become a thing in the first place, showing that government has just not moved on at all um, on, on it and, and probably doesn't intend to. They probably just want to kick it into touch and be on the next general election and hope that, and, and just with the, with the, without any care to let the battle be had between Labour and Treasury so they don't have to have the battles with Treasury. So even if you do put 100 seats, which I think is what they've said, 100 seats, which is nothing, 100 seats in um, uh, into Derby, Network Rail are still going to be based in Milton Keynes. And at some point, we'll have, an, we'll have a, a, a rail natter tour of, uh, of the quadrant. I think that'll be good fun. Number one. Number two, the train operating company's headquarters are all over the place. Uh, you know, some in York, some in, until they're all in the same place, which they shouldn't be actually, because I think there should be regional representation for all those. But until they're all in, you know, until there is a all of the controls for those operators are in the same place, then the HQ is not going to be in Derby. Rolling stock operating companies, all London based, um, and uh, all the other elements of the fragmented industry. For example, you know, you've got the you've got various other bodies and groups that are all London based. 
Namacrail's HQ is not the quadrant, but actually, it's their their, their address is is uh, is in London. They've got a couple of addresses in London. Um, Hendy sits in Waterloo General Offices. Um, you know, the headquarters of the railway are not in Derby and won't be in Derby for a long time. So even if they put the the double arrow flag over a part of the RTC, and and it will be a they could do it in one wing of one of the buildings in RTC. It's such a small such a tiny little commitment and all this fanfare of the, all the magic magic that it'll represent economically and all the people moaning you know all the moaning that was happening in york about it not being here um and it's a hundred people that's like the size of the team that i work for in in in, in you know my day job is it's, we have a hundred people in our team it's just not not a lot it's not a large number of people uh it's 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 a little bit trivializing and embarrassing yes houston is the hq address for nr absolutely um is it still Evershall? house anyway right so uh that's it that's that's it and we can do a bit bit of a big face discussion about this um yeah martha lauren gil Gil sands is the typeface of twee patriotism and uh yeah gil was a uh was indeed a uh a pedophile yeah nonce font for nonce britain you're 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 right martha and if if that language offended you then uh, you need to do some reading uh so um and what i think is also interesting hello again tom fourth is um is this uh, institute for government analysis um of ons civil service statistics um, is uh, looking at the change in civil service staff uh, by numbers, by region, since 2010. And um, London, uh, over a 20% increase in staff. Wales, uh, like a 7% increase. Scotland, uh, 1% increase. Uh, in England, though, uh, so that's uh, everywhere outside of England. Let's just look at to England. Um, oh, and also Northern Ireland. It's here. That's Northern Ireland. There's there's Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland has seen an enormous decrease. Uh, Northwest has seen a bit of a decrease. Yorkshire and Humber, 5%. Northern Ireland, 6%. West Midlands, 6%. Northeast, 7 or 8%. East Midlands, 12% reduction. Uh, the Southwest has seen a, a... What is that? That's a 15% reduction. The Southeast, again, you know... 20% reduction, and the east of England has seen, what is that, a 27% reduction in staff headcount um, since 2010 um, in terms of civil staff, so uh, kind of uh, civil service staff. Yikes. So in terms of talking about GBR, putting 100 people uh, in, in Derby is um, no, not, uh, not going to radically change anything. Uh, pretty depressing. Uh, cool, 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 as Tom says, everything's fine. Um, right, let's let's end with some light-hearted fun, shall we? Let us end with some light-hearted fun. Oh, and then we can and then we can do some questions um, before I uh, dip out and go and have some lunch, lunch dinner. Uh, yeah, this is some of the stupidest shit I ever saw. Uh, the solar panels being installed in the space between railway tracks. It's not a world first. It's stupid. Um, this is in Switzerland. The first time my removal system has been developed for installing solar panels. Why put them there? Put them literally anywhere else. They can go. They can honestly. They can go. They can go literally anywhere. You can put them anywhere else. There are so many other places to put them. Why put them there and wreck track inspect automated track inspection, wreck maintenance, add more crap that we have to deal with when we're designing and building and maintaining the railway. Um, just so stupid. And it's going to have trains on it. It's going to get filthy. It's going to get broken. Hopefully maintainers will smash it up. Like, just... This is this is venture capitalist nonsense. Um, uh, and it, it doesn't stop there because there's some fun stuff. There's some other fun stuff going on. Um, 
there's the the self-driving bus service that Edinburgh has been. This has been going on and off in Edinburgh for a while now. Um, passengers will board the world's first full-size self-driving bus in Edinburgh from this spring, after it was awarded a share of eighty-one million in joint UK government and industry support for self-driving transport technology. Um, no, this is a bus that they've just taken the driver and put them somewhere else, and it probably has to have someone sat in the driver's seat anyway. Again, some of the stupidest shit I ever saw. Just have a driver. Where is the benefit to not have... There is no benefit... What is the benefit for this not having just a driver driving it? None. No one can tell me a single benefit of just of not just having a skilled driver driving it. There is no benefit. What the is the point in this? None. It's just a waste of time. Stop it. Stop it. Oh. Oh my goodness. I just... I can't... I, I just can't... Just, 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 oh my god. And uh, just to round off the fun stuff, um, so that's, that's two uh, kind of uh, stupidest shit I ever saw. Well, some of the stupidest shit I ever read um, was, um, was this in the New Statesman, which I am afraid bad articles get proxies, proxied. So yeah, proxied to read this. Um, the New Statesman, which is a mess of a magazine nowadays. Anyway, um, this by Henry Oliver, which is glorious. Keir Starmer needs to privatise the railways. Nationalisation is popular, but the government basically runs the trains already and they're expensive and unreliable. By brain genius Henry Oliver. Um, the thing that I would like to... Um, uh, the thing that I would like to uh, point out here, which should make all this clear, uh, Henry Oliver is a former parliamentary assistant to Liz Truss. Um... <laughs> Yeah, that's why this article is as stupid and misinformed as you might expect it to be. Because this is someone who just has just had their brain dissolved by going to too many IEA seminars um, and uh, just hasn't got a clue, um, just has not got a clue how anything around them works. They're just so detached from the way that society functions. It's just staggering. Incredible stuff. Uh, and the, that fact that New Statesman published this crap, hmm... Interesting. Uh, was Henry Oliver given a backhander by the RDG to allow them to continue to exist? I couldn't possibly say. Anyway, that is just some general stupid stuff um, uh, to uh, to just generally uh, wind you up. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Anyway, right. Enough of this waffling. Um, let's go to questions at the end. But uh, this is available in audio only format. It's run three minutes long. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, particularly to the fact that I need to go downstairs and deal with the baby. So I might send your questions through. I've not spotted any particular questions as we go. So I'm going to I'm gonna end the episode at, at, at this point because um, I need to go downstairs and look after a baby. I don't need to go longer than an hour. So, uh, and it's already half an hour late because of me being late. So uh, audio-only format, thanks to, for listening. Uh, love to you all listening in audio-only format. Please do do the likes and the reviews and, the, and, and, and stars and ratings and all the things that you can to try and bump... Uh, this up and get more people listening because it's always good when, when you do and thanks to everyone watching this live by the way as well uh, hello uh, patreon.com slash Gareth Dennis to support me and make this happen uh, every little bit that that you add uh, allows me all of the people who subscribe you allow me to continue doing this and justify doing this because um, it's difficult to manage this and a baby uh, and uh, yes so every little that you all the subscribers you allow this to continue justify this continue to happen um, so the more people subscribe the more you justify me being able to keep this going uh, paypal.me slash Gareth Dennis where you can chuck me pennies abuse uh, whatever you fancy and the discord server garethdennis.co.uk slash discord apparently go into rail memes and there's some fun in there um, uh, so <clears throat> garethdennis.co.uk slash discord for the discord server which is where all the chat's been happening continues onwards and onwards um, 
Uh, and uh, next week, <clears throat> next week should be a nice easy one for me to do. News episodes always end up being quite time consuming because I have to do all the copy and pasting of screenshotting and titling and getting the order right, which always takes ages. Uh, next week, <clears throat> episode 160, reshaping at 60. We're t- talking about beaching uh, and beaching's real legacy because uh, this week, not next week, but this week was the 60th um uh, the 60th anniversary of the release of uh, the reshaping of Britain's railways, uh, which is obviously, as you know, uh, behind me up here. Uh, it's over there. It's over there. Um, and we can talk about. <laughs> talk about. We're going to talk about it. It's going to be an episode where we talk about what's in my article. So read my article that you can find on Twitter. Uh, and any questions you've got off the back of that article, we can we can chat about them on here. Um, and that's it, everyone. Actually, I can go big face because I'm going to wave at you all and say goodbye. Uh, that was a, a high-speed, rapid... Uh, well, it wasn't. It was an hour, was an hour and five minutes. Uh, everyone, uh, absolute pleasure. I'm going to look out, go and uh, hopefully relieve my, my poor wife of, of baby duties. Um, cheerio, everyone. Cheerio. Bye-bye.